This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to episode 98 of the Grace Enough podcast. I'm your host, Amber Cullum. And this week, I sit down with Katherine James to discuss her journey of parenting and loving her son through his years of heroin addiction. When her children were young, Katherine would stand at her home's bay window and pray for each one of them while looking out into the sky at Orion's belt. Like many of us, she never dreamed one of her children would become an addict. During our conversation, Catherine talks about how she struggled through being a Christian mom, yet having a child who was battling addiction. She also talks about the beauty and the magnificence of God during some of her darkest days. And then she talks to us about that moment when her feeling of what if became even if. Friends, this is a powerful conversation one that is so needed in our Christian circles. And so maybe a woman or a man pops into your head when you hear the word addiction. If so, I want to invite you to share this episode with them via text message, email, or maybe share it on your social media page so that anyone in your friend circle has access to it and can be reminded that they are not alone. Not only is God with them, but there are other parents who have walked a path similar to Catherine's. And so let's go ahead and dive into this week's conversation with Catherine James, a son's addiction and a mother's love. Good afternoon, Catherine. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thank you for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, as we always do, let's get started by having you introduce yourself and your family to our listeners and tell everybody a little bit about what you do. Okay, yes. Well, my husband and I work for Crew. He is the publisher for Crew Press, and then I am the acquisitions editor. So mostly, mostly we do that, plus a thousand other things. He speaks quite a bit, and I do some and write. We both write quite a bit. That's, that's good. Some traveling, but obviously as of recent, we have not traveled much and (laughs) we have three kids. Uh, Our oldest is in DC and she's married and they have a little boy. And then uh, our middle child is in San Francisco. So she's out there working in video editing. And then our youngest is here in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania. He works in tech and he's married and they just had a little baby girl. Nice. Well, now, how long have you guys worked for Crew? Over 30 years. I think like 32 years now. So it's been a long time. Wow. So yeah, you've been there for all the transition from Crusade to Crew and... Mm-hmm. Exactly. We've I mean, been... I remember when they first started calling it crew, I was already out of college and I'm like, what is that? And you know, all the young folk, I'm like, oh, that's Campus Crusade for Christ. Yeah. I know what that is. Yeah. So. I know that was a big transition because you have all the older people and then the younger people and you know. Well, as you mentioned, you have three grown children and 
I read your book and in your book, you write about how you used to stand and pray for them as you would look up at Orion's belt. Mm. And so I want to go back to that time and tell us a little bit about those prayers and what your hopes were for your little people and just a little bit about what your family life with Jesus looked like during that time. Well, as with so many Christians, uh, I started, we started praying for our kids, you know, the day they were born. So just kind of developed a habit of praying for them. And my prayers were mostly that they'd walk with God. I just wanted them to, you know, just have really vibrant, faithful lives that made a difference in eternity, for eternity. So that's always been my prayer for each of them. And of course, as they get older, those prayers get more complicated <laughs> because it's not a straight shot from that's know, right. infancy, infancy to adulthood to, you know, being the next, uh, you know, amazing Christian who saves the world. So that's yeah, right. Life is not as easy as you think it is, obviously. So those changed over time when they went through middle school and, you know, grade school. And you could kind of see what each kid struggled with. Our son struggled with some very specific things like anxiety and depression in different ways. Um, and then of course, middle school gets more intense. And where is it? I think it's in Bulgaria where they say, uh, little children, little problems, big children, big problems. Yes. You've probably heard that. <laughs> yes. It's so true. And so I still true. have young children, but I mean, I can see the difference now than yeah. five years ago. Yeah. It's just plain true. Unfortunately, I, I remember hearing it the first time thinking, and I didn't consciously think it cause that would have been very prideful, but in my heart, I thought, well, you know, we've been raising our kids, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> With Jesus and everything's uh, going to be okay. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have issues, but it won't be that big because, you know, they're great, growing up in this great home with a loving father and mother, right? Yeah. So things don't always turn out the way you want them to or think they will. So uh, I just remember getting into the habit of praying for them. We have these big uh, bay windows in the front of our living room like floor to ceiling, huge. And in about January, sometime around then, you can see Orion's belts, the constellation. Yeah. And you know, with Orion's belt, there's these three stars. They're just like right in a row. And yeah. that just kind of helped me focus. So I remember standing there and just praying for them, you know, mm. cold winter. And uh, it was just kind of like my visual cue. Well, and like you said, they grow up, right? Mm -hmm. And you start seeing, wow, this one struggles with this. And then you start praying about that. And that kind of adapts over time and you start seeing the influence of other people in their lives. And I mean, I have to say, you know, that's a big fear of mine that I'm constantly just having to surrender to the Lord. And so for you, you eventually found out that your youngest son was heavily involved in drugs. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that discovery. Like what happened? What were those early months like, um, you know, both internally and externally? Sure. It's a great question. Um, and it's a hard question to answer, honestly. Quite a few people ask me this question. I'm always a little bit stumped. I think mostly I'm stumped because I think back and I think, how could we not have missed it? <laughs> you know, mm. um, I'm not sure what age he was, but honestly, it was just a very, very slow progression as far as us finding out about it, you know, and also for him, I'm sure. So it started out, uh, you know, pot. I'm sure there was drinking involved, but he's never been much of a drinker. Mm -hmm. So that was never a huge issue. 
which I'm very grateful for. It was always the drugs and the things like that. So our daughter found out he was smoking pot with a couple of his friends mm -hmm. and he was supposed to be in youth group. So she went, she drove over, picked him up, dropped him off at youth group and then told me what was going on. And actually our other daughter, both of the daughters, our daughters were involved in letting us know. And so at that point, I flipped because this was our son. He would never do this. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's a very normal reaction. I don't think that anybody listening says, oh, well, I wouldn't have flipped out or thought, wait a minute, you know, God, what? I've yeah. been praying for this kid. Exactly. What? And the thing too with him, he was always a great kid at home. You know, there wasn't any sense oh. of rebellion or anger. He got around well. He and his dad were probably best friends. Um, so it was very much like, what the heck is going on? So, mm. and the other thing too, is that I just kind of intuitively knew because, you know, he was my son that he wasn't like most kids. It wasn't going to be like, oh, I smoked pot. I just kind of was stupid thing I did when I was little or younger, uh, but that it, it could very easily become an addiction for him. And I just knew that enough about him. So, yeah. Um, so that was the first obvious uh, thing that happened. And of course, as a parent, <laughs> you just always want to think the best of your own kids. So it was like, in my mind, surely this is just a one-off thing, you know, mm. but then I was being more careful. So I did like search his room and I, I found something. And at that point, this was later on, it's like, oh, this is definitely an issue. So then, you know, things progressed. He, as far as we knew, he would stop. We're trying to keep, you know, tabs on things. He was hanging out with a different group of kids at that point. So at that point, it's hard to explain, but we ended up with a lot of kids sort of hanging out at our house, mm -hmm. partly because we wanted, mostly because we wanted to keep tabs on things. We wanted to know what was going on. And, you know, so we got to know these kids and yeah. they were wonderful. And some of them really started walking with God, coming to a Bible study that my husband was having. Yeah. And uh, a couple of those kids went over to our son and said, hey, uh, you need to tell your parents what you're doing. And then that's when our son came and sat down with both of us and told us he was doing heroin, which blew my mind. That's, that's the So drug. at this point though, you had these kids coming and you thought, mm -hmm. oh, my, my son's still just smoking pot and that's it. Or did you know at this point that there were some harder things happening? I, we did know there were some harder things happening. And that was part of why these discussions were happening constantly with yeah. him, with his friends. Um, we had tested them from time to time. So no, at that point we weren't ignorant, but at the same point, heroin was just. It's a whole new level. Yeah. That, that is a whole new level. Heroin ruins lives. Uh, so that was a big blow. So one of his friends comes and tells you this and then what? I mean, actually, I know he didn't just stop. <laughs> right. So actually they told him to tell us. Oh. So he sat down and told us, which was big, you know, it is. and he cried a little bit. So he, yeah. he knew he didn't want to. And at the same point, I'm like, this is, this is an addiction, you know, that's where mm -hmm. we're at right now. And uh, so at that point, my first inclination was rehab, you know, because at yeah. that point I thought, well, rehab solves everything. That's where you're going right now today. <laughs> and thankfully, my husband was a little more thoughtful about it and prayerful about it at that point. And knowing our son, and he was right that I don't think rehab, I think he would have, he would have ran. He wouldn't have stayed even one night probably at that point, uh, just because of some of the other issues he has yeah. that were actually, you know, played a part in him using heroin to begin with. So at that point, what we did is we started testing. 
And he just, and he would allow you to do that. Or was that something where you just said, Hey, if you want to stay at home, you need to undergo a test every week yeah. or we, we didn't say every week it was random, you know? Yeah. And so he was fine with getting tested. And at that point we had at least one other kid staying with us. And so he was getting tested as well, uh, which helped just knowing, you know, we can always test him. Yeah. And see what's going on. Well, and I mean, that's the thing. Eventually, again, I mean, he did start using pretty heavily again. And I know mm -hmm. that you experienced a lot of guilt as mm -hmm. a parent, as we've already kind of talked about. And I think Christian parents in general know that. We think that we've been taught that verse, you know, if you teach your kids in the way they should go, they will not mm -hmm. depart from it. And um, we misuse that verse a whole, whole lot mm -hmm. as descriptive. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe mm -hmm. I should say as prescriptive. I can't remember which one it is, but <laughs> in my mind, I know yeah. exactly. It's not a promise. That's what I do know. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's right. It's not a promise because yeah. we have free will. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when you think about that, what was some of the things that you experienced? Just, you know, some of the guilt or the shame that I don't think Christians mean to put, we put it on ourselves. Mm -hmm. but we also put it on others. Yeah, we do. That's unfortunate, but we do. Yeah, the shame and guilt. Wow. You know, for me, at least, I feel like um, our whole journey with our son has been almost like a petri dish of the mm -hmm. Christian life. Yeah. So we all have shame and guilt, whether it's over parenting or anything else. And, uh, and it's constantly something we have to deal with. So, you know, daily, even now, I have to talk to God about it, yeah. believe what's true, trust him, um, not look back, but look ahead. Um, like Paul says, press on for the goal, which is in Christ Jesus, which is really perfection is what we want. So we look back and, you know, how do we mess up? Uh, so that's been really helpful for me to think in terms of, okay, is this a Christian life? This is what it means to walk with God and almost mm. in a good way. Well, in a good way, because God was in control he showed these things to me in very obvious, clear ways that don't look back and look at all your mistakes. You are where you are now, you know, I'm in control even now, even though you've screwed up so much, uh, I'm in control. So that's always been one of my issues is just regret. So regret, regret. And thankfully my husband is, that's not his issue. He has others, but he tends to just look forward. Like what's, why would that do any good? And he's right. It doesn't really yeah. do any good to do that. So thinking in terms of it as, um, you know, it's part of the Christian life, walking with God. And then also that, you know, looking back doesn't, doesn't do anything good. Yeah. So. Well, and that's the thing too, I think to think about how much we desire control and mm -hmm. as Christians, I think anybody feels this way, I, I believe maybe some more than others, but as believers, I think sometimes we just have this feeling that we can control things mm -hmm. by our prayers. We can control things by what we, the morals we teach. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we don't control anything. Mm -hmm. No, no. And I think it's, it is, again, back to the Petri dish. It's kind of like the unique thing about drugs is it's unpredictable. 
that's one of the particularly difficult things about it, kind of like cancer, you don't know if it's going to come back or not. You know, and while every year that you're away from it is encouragement that it won't, but drugs are kind of, drugs are the same kind of thing. So there's just this, like, I have to trust you. Yeah. And so what I'm, what I'm trusting in isn't the way that things are going to turn out. What, I, what I'm trusting in is that you are who you say you are, that you have not lied to me. That's really kind of where my trust ended up. Mm. With that, you know, I know there's pe- there's somebody who's probably listening or knows someone mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. struggling with that guilt and shame right now that, you know, as yeah. a parent, I failed because my children did X, Y, or Z, or yeah. they are living this way. Yeah. What encouragement would you want to share with them? First of all, if you have other children uh, who aren't in that same place as that one kid, you're the same parent of that other child and things didn't turn out that way. There are so many complications in this world Mm -hmm. and it can be as something as insignificant as your child's birth weight. You know, these are correlated things with drug abuse. And when I started looking into that, some of the science of it and the correlations that are involved and I thought, wow, my son ended up having, I think four, which you yeah. know, at first, I remember reading that part and thinking, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> like, I shouldn't be reading this because you know, no. I had a 10 pound baby. Oh my gosh. Oh, you did? Ah, I did. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, but that's a good point. We don't get to control it. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean he's going to turn out to be that way because yes, it could, but it's yeah. not, I can't control that. No. And that's something that might be interesting to know, you know, once you do have a child who's struggling to kind of know what some of the precursors are, what predisposes a kid to these sorts of things. So that's That's helpful. Yeah. So I I think, you know, like I've said, just don't focus on the past. Um, Really double down on believing God is who he says he is, you know, go back. There's, there's a reason it says over and over, and I can't remember the Psalm. Maybe you can, his loving kindness endures forever. Mm -hmm. You know where that is? So Mm -hmm. it just, oh, over and over it's just like overkill <laughs> what are you you know it really is it, it is and and i think the purpose is just it's in glorifying himself but it's also because he wants us to know like if you didn't get this time his loving kindness endures forever oh wait maybe you missed it his loving kindness endures forever and so these sorts of things just are so important when you're going through any kind of a struggle because mm-hmm. what we're what we're asked to do is believe who he says it is. I mean, that's faith. Faith is yeah. trust. And if we're trusting that God is, okay, you just said that to me, that you love me. I'm going to believe you love me. And so during those times when things are really, really hard, and, you know, you're looking out the window, you're waiting for the phone call to come, you know, all these things that could potentially happen to your child, which is a very, very hard struggle when your kids are involved. So, um you know, just going back to those truths and believing that God's also telling you this because he wants it personally, you personally to believe it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just some sort of blanket statement, right? you know, he's focusing on you. Well, and that's the thing about, you know, knowing the character of God. And I think too, it says it over and over again, because David and other psalmists who were writing it, they had to speak it over themselves because sometimes in that moment, they weren't believing it either. Yes. Yes. You know? And so it's like your, your love, your loving kindness, whichever your translation says mm-hmm. endures forever. I may not feel like it right now, yes. but forever. Right. Right. And so that is a far different 
characteristic than right now. Yes. You know? and, and what you just said is key too. I may not feel it right now, mm-hmm. but I, I believe it, you know? Yes. Yes. Well, your, your home did become this place, this hangout, this, you know, I, I don't, I, maybe I shouldn't refer to it as a revolving door, but kids were coming in and out and most <laughs> of them were addicts and um, you all referred to them lovingly as the lost boys. And so mm-hmm. what are some things that you learned from opening your home, you know, to, to boys who were walking through addiction? Mm, yeah. Well, you learn these different stories and each of them are, are so interesting and unique and um, not the type of thing that you would expect from the kid on the street. You know, it used to be, honestly, you know, I pass a kid on the street who was obviously not doing well, just, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I figured he's probably on drugs and, you know, without consciously doing it, I was still judging, assuming things, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so from these kids, just like, yeah, you know what? God's saying, <laughs> These are not kids to judge. These are kids to love Mm -hmm. more than the next even. I mean, it could feel that way anyway. Um, Just so many of them from loving homes, parents who prayed for them constantly. um, And yeah, they were just really just beautiful, beautiful kids. And God gave us such a love for each of them. And, you know, you could see how different each of their spirits were and the different ways that God got into their lives and changed them. And now as you know, some of them are truly thriving, we can see like their gifts and it's just so fun. You know, they might come Mm. and visit and, you know, one will probably go into translations because, you know, go figure. He's really, really good at linguistics. He went to Biola through all this. Yeah. And then another one ended up at Biola too. And he's just brilliant at building houses and missions. So he ended up going into missions and um, I think he went, I think he's getting his master's right now, but, oh, and then another one who's just a phenom. He has a podcast. He's great. Just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant kid. You see these things and, and some of them are, you know, around town doing great, you know, working and, you know, but just, just such an honor to be able to be in their lives and somehow some way make a difference. My husband is very involved with them. Each of them, he would spend time with each of them individually at different points through the Bible study, have these conversations that would go on all night. You know, I, I, I didn't have what it would take to do that. You know, I would make yeah. brownies at the most cause I'm not a cook. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's what the box is for. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> I know, thank you. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> shame. No shame. They taste just as good. <laughs> I know. So that was um, just a gift to us, honestly, to see all these things. I mean, I have to ask, because I hear you say that about your husband. I mean, how did he even get them to consider talking about the Bible? Mm. He is a really, really, really loving God. And he, listen to me, Freudian (laughs) slip there, loving God, no, uh, loving guy. And he... um, just, you know, it was drawn to them. And our kids have always had their friends around. We've always had a very open home. Oftentimes somebody would be staying with us like a friend in seminary or something. So we had that kind of a home anyway, but um, he just had a way with them. I think he's funny. Um, he's a philosopher. He has, yeah. you know. So he loves those deep conversations. PhD. Yeah. And I think kids really 
took on to that, you know, it was something interesting to talk about. And of course, drugs could easily be a part of that conversation too. Yeah. So um, there was that as well. And a lot of it, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the, the parents and friends who were praying for these kids, mm-hmm. uh, that they would have a place to go to, someone to talk to, that sort of thing. And not all of them, not, you know, all of them didn't have that. But um, I think that that played a big part. And I think just the fact that Christ is just part of our home already and people knew what they were getting into. Yeah. You know, if you're going to stay here, this is what it's about kind of thing. So I think that was part of it. I just think it's so awesome to hear that there's, that that happens, right? Because so often mm-hmm. I think that what comes to mind is, oh, if it's a Christian home, we're keeping all the bad out so that we can mm-hmm. stay good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what keeps you good is to keep all the bad mm-hmm. out. <laughs> that was a part. Yeah. I mean, that's probably. <laughs> Which is not I true. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Of course, you don't want anybody actively using in your house. That's right. So it was really, you know, at a certain point, Rick was like this one kid, loved him so much and he didn't make it. Um, he was just precious. And Rick felt like he should be able to come and stay. And I said, no. Um, so he didn't. And I don't think that's why he died, but it's still just, you know, beyond tragic. It's just really, really sad. So mm. um, yeah, it, it, and the reason that he couldn't stay is just because he was too close. You yeah. Know, and it, it, you know, he had quit, but you know, maybe a week earlier. And I just wasn't yeah. with that. How many yeah. years did this go on? Gosh, uh, four, maybe, okay. you know, didn't kind of stop and start. It was gradual, but right. About that. Yeah. Where people were in and out. Yeah. Well, and even as I hear you talk about this kid that you, that lost his life. I mean, when you, when I read your book, I mean, first of all, you're just your words, you're a brilliant writer. You know how mm-hmm. to put the emotion in, the truth in, some facts with the story. It was just, it was really a beautiful story. Um, but you, I, I could really feel the weight mm-hmm. of the evil of drugs mm-hmm. and just what it robs people of. But then there was always this thread of beauty and magnificence. Mm-hmm. And so you've shared that a little bit. But how did you see in the midst of all this sadness, this thread of beauty and magnificence? Yeah, yeah. At the time, because I know now that people have become believers and you see them thriving, it's so much easier probably to look back at that time. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's a, that's a really good question. And another one that's hard to kind of pinpoint, but at the same time, I think, you know, people talk about, being able to see light because we know darkness, that yes. kind of thing. So the the lifestyle of a drug addict and the whole drug world is darker than anything I've experienced before. Like if you go into a city and the things you see, you might see, you know, kids or people on sidewalk, you know, curled up high. And, you know, there are places in Philadelphia where um, yeah. they'll just push people who have overdosed to the side because they don't want the cops to come, you know, who are dead things like that where you're just like Satan has got his hand all over this. And Mm -hmm. so when you're experiencing that kind of darkness and seeing it and getting glimpse of it, of course, when you see glimpse of God, of his power and majesty overcoming these things, it seems so completely helpless. Uh, It, it just blows your mind at his majesty because there's so much involved in the things he does. There has to be love there. There has to be power there. There has to be, um, goodness there has to be him knowing us uh uniquely 
and creating us the way he created us. <clears throat> There's just so much involved. And, uh, and then there were also specific times where we saw things where God was, I don't know why we're not even charismatic for the most part. Uh, but like saw things like my, my husband saw an angel, you know, uh, yeah. and I had some really intense, I don't know what to call them, vision dreams, dream yeah. visions. <laughs> so that just carried me through so much. And just this sense of God is here. He's mm. not out there and we're begging him to be involved, but he's eager to listen to our prayers and he is involved and mm. we can look back now and see things. And, you know, it's weird. I was thinking about the other day, even that it was those precious times were almost to the point where I want to go back. <laughs> Isn't that so strange? I, I was in horrible pain. And I, if I had to check a box, I'd check, no, please. Thank you. But, um, those times were just, just beautiful. Yeah. Um, he really saw God's work. Mm-hmm. Well, and your son survived. Yeah. See, he did. He did. He really and that's did. not everybody's story. Mm-mm. And there was a lot of times you weren't sure if it was going to be your story. Yeah. 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 We were sure at a certain point, I was sure it wasn't going to be our story from living. So, and I, I, I've never felt so compassion for, parents who do lose a child Mm -hmm. as I did after experiencing this. Um, Yeah. I mean, you always feel compassion for anybody who has to go through that, but. Yeah. But there is a different when you've come really close or have Mm -hmm. lost a child, the amount of empathy and compassion you have, is different. Yeah. It's a different dose. It's a different level than someone who hasn't walked through or walked that path. Well, let's close with the moment when, you know, what if became, even if, even mm-hmm. if my sweet boy overdoses on heroin, everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Yeah. Well, it was during such a heart-wrenching, intense time that I came to that realization that I kind of remember every specific thing. You know how sometimes your visual, if you're going through trauma or whatever, your visual and things that are going on around you kind of like freeze. Like you see yes. it, you know, car crash, yes. you freeze at this certain place and you see what's happening. Um, so this happened in the midst of this realization that I had happened in the midst of his, uh, he had two overdoses. This was the ser- most serious of one because he went into septic shock and was in a coma. And he, um, it was when they had were trying to revive him, and then the ambulance had just gotten to the emergency room, and they were, you know, pushing him down the hall. And then so, my husband and I went to the elevators to take them up to the ICU once they were able to get him in there, and stable him enough to make it in there. And then uh, a bunch of his friends were there by then, friends who were walking with God, and we were all praying. And I was, we were in the elevator, and I looked up, and all I could think up until then was what if what if what if what if he dies what if he dies what if he does you know how am I going to handle this how am I going to get through this and looking up at the numbers and they're changing and little dings going on and it just kind of like a ding in my head (laughs) it's like um even if just came to my mind even if even if the worst happens that's the only thing that's going to cover all the bases is even it because Mm -hmm. 
anything could happen. There isn't anything that's predictable in any part of this world. And so the only piece we have is to say, even if this does happen, I'm going to be okay. And that's through Christ. And that was the only way I knew I was going to be okay, is that even if my son dies, I will still go to heaven. God is in control. He knew what he was doing. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But once you swallow it, it has a healing effect. So I went back to that a lot, you know. So by the time I got up to ICU and saw him, I had that. And before that, I didn't have that. So Wow. Well, yeah. And I mean, what does life look for you all now? You said you have, how many grandkids do you have? Or was your Okay. Yes. And so yes. your son just had his first one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. That's awesome. And so if you all are still serving with crew and you only have one child near home. We have no children in our home. No, no one child near home. I'm sorry. Near home. In oh. the area. Yeah. 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 We goodness. Do. That's crazy. So do you, do you get to travel to see the other ones much? Uh, just the one in DC. Um, so that's okay. been nice. Uh, our daughter, the one that is in California, doesn't have kids and she's not married yet. So, or, you know, she might not get married. I don't know. So we see the other two a lot more. But, yeah, yeah, that is so awesome. Well, if people tell everybody, of course, that you're the name of your book is a prayer for Orion. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a place if someone wanted to connect with you that they can? Definitely. Uh, you can go to my website. It's katherinejames.home, no, katherinejameshome.com. So it's K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, jameshome.com. Um, awesome. And I'm fine. I, I get emails every once in a while from somebody who just needs prayer, and that's absolutely fine. And that's yeah. Katie, K-A-T-I-E dot james at crew, C-R-U dot org. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Catherine, for sharing your story you. with us. I really appreciate it. Catherine's memoir, A Prayer for Orion, is one of my favorite reads of 2020. You can find it linked under the show notes tab at graceenoughpodcast.com. And while you're there, I have three free Christmas wall art downloads for you through December 31st, 2020. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.